0: Welcome to the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach to the Christian music ministry Adams Road. Every week we examine a chapter from the Bible and share music filled with God's Word. You can find our weekly content by searching Adams Road Podcast on your podcast app. Let's start today by listening through Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 through 9.
1: Let brotherly love continue. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For in doing so, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those who are in bonds as bound with them, and those who are ill-treated, since you are also in the body. Let the marriage be held in honor among all, and let the bed be undefiled. But God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterers. Be free from the love of money, content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will in no way leave you, neither will I in any way forsake you, so that with good courage we say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders, men who spoke to you the Word of God, and considering the results of their conduct, imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever don't be carried away by various and strange teachings, for it is good that the heart be established by grace, not by food, through which those who were so occupied were not benefited.
0: All right, we're in Hebrews chapter 13 today. We'll see how far we get. This is the final chapter of the book of Hebrews. Okay, so verse 1 says, let brotherly love continue. The Greek word for brotherly love here is Philadelphia. Yes, that's right, like the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, our friendship with each other within the body of Christ should run deep. We're in partnership with one another. We're on the same team. When one suffers, we all suffer. When one is honored, we rejoice in their success. We mourn with those who mourn and we ought to bear one another's burdens. And this brotherly affection, according to this verse, should continue. All right, for a moment here, I wanna be a little transparent. At the beginning of a new friendship, in my experience, often I find it's normal for me to engage and show interest and display outward kindness and respect for the other person. But as time passes, I have to challenge myself and really ask, is that affection and devotion for each other growing deeper? It seems at times I can eventually disengage after a while or lose touch with old friends. There's no doubt many reasons for this, and and I could probably come up with some fair excuses, but being introspective, I can also question whether I've been putting forth my best effort in some of these relationships. I have to remind myself that relationships aren't about serving my interests and desires. As soon as someone offends me or doesn't share some of the same interests, for example, that shouldn't be a reason to disengage, right? What I should do is forgive and look to their interests more than my own. You see, as Christians, we should be serving each other, building each other up, praying for each other, encouraging and challenging one another in Christ and through his word. Iron sharpens iron. So even if we don't enjoy being around certain people, a lot of times those are the very people we probably need to be around for various reasons. Christians should be in community with each other. I admit I really need to do a better job of persevering and showing more brotherly affection To those the Lord has placed in my life, I I shouldn't be selective and be like, well, I like this person, I get along with this person, so I'll invest into them or I'll spend time with them. We're all in the body of Christ, we who believe in Jesus, and we all need each other's love and can benefit from brotherly love. You see, how can we abide in brotherly love if we don't invest into lasting relationships with people? Listen to what the apostle John writes here in 1 John 4.20. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. Or think about Matthew chapter 25, when Jesus, as the king, tells those on his right hand, Come, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And, you know, he's explaining why they get in. The king will answer them. Most certainly I tell you, because you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. So let's let brotherly love continue. All right, verse two. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for in doing so, some have entertained angels without knowing it. The ancient Greek word for hospitality used, for example, in passages like Romans 12:13, it's literally translated love for strangers. In the ancient world, believers often hosted traveling Christians, even when strangers. Traveling ministers would be supported by the generosity and hospitality of other Christians. At the same time, many deceivers would take advantage of this. So there certainly would have been a need for discernment in regards to entertaining strangers. But you know, it'd be fascinating to know someday if I ever entertained an angel without knowing it. Jesus reminds us, as we read earlier, that when we're hospitable to others, we're actually welcoming Jesus. So I suppose whether it's a random individual or an angel, we should treat them like we're serving the Lord himself, right? I've definitely heard stories from people who have had such random but seemingly God-appointed encounters with strangers that they truly wondered whether they were in the company of an angel. Like in Genesis chapter 19, Lot unwittingly entertained angels, which was a smart decision it turns out, As these angels end up warning him and his family to flee the city of Sodom before they destroyed it. So don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. Verse 3 Remember those who are in bonds as bound with them, and those who are ill treated, since you are also in the body. Many leaders of the Christian church were being imprisoned for the sake of the gospel in that era. The writer of Hebrews himself made mention to having been in chains in chapter 10. He testified that those to whom he was writing had compassion on him in his chains. Are we as a Christian body today aware of other believers imprisoned for the sake of the gospel? We don't deal with much opposition here in the States, or at least the type of opposition to our faith that would typically land us in a prison. But in some other countries, they're quite hostile actually towards Christians. According to Release International, in countries such as Burma, China, North Korea, Pakistan, and Vietnam, Christian pastors and evangelists and other believers are in prison today because of their active Christian witness. Here's a couple examples for you. A Presbyterian pastor in North Korea was sentenced to life imprisonment in 2014. Could you imagine that, being sentenced to life in prison because of your faith? He was supposedly accused of spreading religious propaganda, and he was part of an underground church that he ran there in Dandong. All right, here's another one. Pastor Wang Yi in China is currently serving nine years for quote unquote, inciting subversion of state power and illegal business operations. Now he was the leader of a house church in Chengdu, China called Early Rain Covenant Church. And in fact, the government raided the homes of him and all hundred church members and had all of them arrested. All right, so here's a third example. In Iran, a man was sentenced to 10 years in imprisonment in 2016 for what they called illegal gathering with Christians, collusion and evangelism. Could you imagine that? Being sentenced here in the States to prison because of evangelism, or because you gathered with other believers? It's mind blowing to me. In his initial arrest, it actually began with two months of solitary confinement and intense interrogation. So let's remember those who are in bonds as bound with him. Again, we're in Hebrews 13, verse four. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the bed be undefiled, but God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterers. It's clear from scripture, God forbids sex outside of marriage. But of course, within the context of a marriage between a man and woman, sex is allowed. It's, it's actually part of God's plan. For example, in 1 Corinthians 7, two to three, it says, this is the apostle Paul, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, Each man should have his own wife, and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. And here was God's command to man, according to Genesis 1.28, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Just to show there again that procreation is a part of God's plan, but God wants that to happen within the context of a marriage between a man and a woman. All right, verse five here, Hebrews 13. Be free from the love of money, content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will in no way leave you, neither will I in any way forsake you. So that with good courage we say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? So on that note, let's go really quickly to Philippians 4, 11 through 13. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Here's another verse in line with this to chew on. This is 1 Timothy 6, 6-10. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we'll be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, it is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. You know, this uh, culture often speaks of ultra ambition and success as a good and admirable thing. In truth, only ambitions directed by the will of God are good, otherwise they can become distractions from our true calling and purpose as followers of Jesus Christ. Galatians 4.18 says, It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be so always, not just when I'm with you. The Apostle Paul is certainly zealous, but what was he zealous towards? Here was the Apostle Paul's ambition according to Romans 15.20. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. And Paul said in Acts 20.24, but I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Misdirected passions, not according to God's will and plan, can become covetousness, which is idolatry, and a distraction. Jesus explains the parable of the sower in Matthew 13 regarding the seed that fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Jesus said, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. So let's be free from the love of money and content with what we have. All right, Hebrews 13 verse seven. Remember your leaders, men who spoke to you the word of God and considering the results of their conduct imitate their faith. Assuming we are under godly leadership who faithfully teach God's word and whose examples and lives are worthy of emulation, let's recognize and follow them as they follow Christ. They are called to keep watch over our souls and will give an account. Verse eight, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is immutable, meaning he doesn't change. His nature and character remain constant. Could you imagine attempting to trust in a God who was always changing? Like he'd be saying, oops, got that wrong. Still trying to figure this thing out. Maybe I'll improve and do better next time. (laughs) Yikes, if that were the case. Fortunately for us, God is perfect. He's always been, he is, and he will be forever. We can trust in him with our whole heart so, if someone introduces a different or a new or a changed Jesus from the one Scripture has revealed, we can reject the notion with complete certainty Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. All right, verse 9. Don't be carried away by various and strange teachings, for it is good that the heart be established by grace, not by food, through which those who were so occupied were not benefited. The writer may have had in mind here not going back to the mosaic ceremonies and laws that were fulfilled in Jesus. Or, these diverse and strange teachings perhaps could have been a reference to some of the Greek philosophical ideas floating around the culture at that time, like asceticism. The practitioners of this philosophy outright reject all sensual pleasures and lead an abstinent lifestyle in the pursuit of redemption, salvation, or spirituality. This could have taken the form through ritual renouncing pleasure or self-mortification. A lot of times people who lived ascetic lifestyles were under strict and self-imposed dietary guidelines. Have any of you ever been sucked into strange teachings? We should probably take note of those who seem to obsess over always finding the next new and exciting doctrine to reveal and stay away from them. Often cults form behind charismatic and interesting leaders who are looking to push the limit and walk in the fringe when it comes to doctrines. People often fall into that trap because it's new and exciting, and perhaps those diverse and strange teachings in one way or another appeal to the flesh. But Paul warned against seeking out such teachers when he said, for example in Timothy, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves Teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. I was raised in a religion that taught me that there were many gods and that I could become a god someday through works and ritual. I was taught I was special and chosen because I was born into that religion and that being born into that religion was evidence of my faithfulness in a previous life in heaven. (laughs) This was definitely extra biblical fringe stuff that appealed to my flesh and pride, with seemingly a touch of uh, some Greek mythology in there as well. When I was studying the Bible, though, in my early 20s and reading through the book of Hebrews, I remember verse 9 of chapter 13 really standing out, as if God was speaking directly to me regarding my situation at that time, where I was contemplating exiting a religious system devoted to myths and dietary laws. Don't be carried away by various and strange teachings, For it is good that the heart be established by grace, not by food, through which those who were so occupied were not benefited. This verse was confirmation to me that it was time to leave that system for Jesus and His grace.
2: of the shadow of death We will not avenge Vengeance is the Lord's And if the world hates us It hated Him first Would you die for Him? Do all thieves through Christ Jesus, who us will strengthen. Afflicted but not crushed, persecuted, not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. We will not be shaken. Would you die? He has
0: overcome from the Adams Road album, Tongues of Fire, What a blessed assurance we have in Christ. Jesus said, ask and you'll receive, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. And God's word assures us that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, then we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. You see, God desires for all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. If you'd like to receive Jesus today as your personal Lord and Savior, You can do so by simply trusting in Him, believing that He died for your sins, was buried, and was raised on the third day. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. This is the Adams Road podcast, an outreach to the Christian music ministry Adams Road. You can learn more about us at AdamsRoadMinistry.com Again, that's AdamsRoadMinistry.com. We release a new podcast episode every Saturday. Feel free to join us next week as we examine Hebrews chapter 13, verses 10 through 25. Grace and peace be with you all.